Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Pod. We are in the midst of Comedy Festival, and it's very nice to have you on board. And with me always is Dilruk Singer. Thank you, Benjamin. One of my favorite things about this podcast is seeing the guest's reaction to your radio voice, pre as opposed to the pre-chat <laughs> voice. And Carl is the first person that looks scared. So let's welcome him. Uh, well, basically adopted son of Australia now, but originally from the UK. One of the finest comedians, funniest comedians going around. Please welcome Carl Donnelly. Yes. Hi, guys. Um, Hello, thanks man. for having me. Lights, really appreciate it. Yes, your reaction was like you suddenly saw Ben switch into radio mode. It was incredible. <laughs> well, we were talking just pre-record yeah. about our radio. Yeah, yeah. You got to switch. Techniques. You got to you got to bring the A game. <laughs> you went for sort of drive time. You know, people are doing a school run. You've got to go big. I yeah, to, to like the graveyard shift. Yeah, um, I always think about I always think about the drive the drive home side because then you're like, hey, and it's also you, you're getting the parents like, pay pay attention, don't. Yeah, drive yeah. listen to us right <laughs> um, that would be i think i yeah my my dream radio job would be sort of the like the sort of the specialist shows and radio 2 in the uk has got these 7 p.m shows where it's like the folk hour and it's just <laughs> oh, so yeah. short easy just play a few songs and just tell some boring stories in between that's the dream job for me is that, that's your ultimate you're oh, totally life. one hour just, just chatting and just playing some songs, and I would happily retire are you, are, tomorrow. Are you taking calls? Are you taking calls as well? No, I don't want to speak to anyone. <laughs> I don't want any member of the public to have any communication with me. I do. I always do like the late night guys who are like, yeah, yeah shit, is it cool? Tell us what your side hustle is. And it's like, oh. <laughs> no, but they go up and go, hey, oh, my name's Dorothy. Um, I, I like to make pottery on the side. And then they'll be like, that's great, Dorothy. But a funny thing happened to me on the way to work. No, no like just yeah, don't yeah. acknowledge the call. <laughs> <laughs> that's like sort of when you see sort of a bad comic who's got a routine, but for some reason they sort of banter their way into it. So like, oh, yeah. what do you do for a living? And then the person oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm an engineer. And they go, oh, yeah, it reminds me of when I was a... Uh, Flying cruise ship, and you're like, what, the, what are you talking about, mate? <laughs> okay, I'll be honest, I am the master of that. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I'm glad you did. Um, Carl, this is very cool. I want to kick off with something now. I, I haven't actually heard you do this bit, but I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, Tommy Dasselow, who said that you, um, uh, had an uh, incident uh, where during lockdown, I think it was, where you shaved your head. And uh, and now you have some material around it. And the reason I bring it up is I feel like I went through a similar journey because uh, I shaved my head in the lockdown and had had some had an issue. So do you, is this ringing any bells? Yeah, but it's the bell? opposite. What what happened was I've got a routine about how I grew my hair during lockdown. So I, I basically oh, okay. uh, I've I, most people anyone who's seen me do comedy in the last five years, I was always wearing hats. I was always wearing like a sort that of a true. Yeah. Boy hat on hmm. stage. The reason for that is five years ago, I, I, I've got, I had a little, I noticed a little thinness there. You can probably just see it. A little uh-huh. thinness on the old crown of my head. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I thought I'm just getting rid of it. So I shaved my head totally right. because I thought I'm getting ahead of the news. I didn't want to be one of them guys that just grows like the sort of perimeter around the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I shaved it and I genuinely. Get on the never, front foot. Well, yeah, I thought I don't want to be that guy. So I shaved it. And I've I've just been shaving it every three or four days for five years because I just thought, well, I'm only going to get balder. And then during lockdown was the first time I ever had time off to go like, oh, let's grow it back and see how bald I've gone. And I grew it back and I hadn't gone bald. <laughs> so <laughs> I genuinely, you look at any photo of me in the last five years, I've been living as a bald man for five years without any idea that it just, I, basically all it is, I've got a little thinness and up there, that's it, nothing that's- worse. So incredible to me because, yeah, I used to shave my head every two years. Just I had fun with it. I'd scalp it. And then uh, for the last five years, I've been busy with work stuff that I couldn't shave it. So when the lockdown hit, I was like, oh, here's my chance to shave it again. And I shaved it, scalped it. And I noticed specific patches that it isn't going back in. And I freaked out. But the reality is I realized the way my hair still is, I can still comb it over. Definitely. Because you wouldn't pick that on bald if you're looking at me now. Not at all. Uh, it's no, like you've got, like, you've got a patch thick. up here and there's a, there's a balding, rather, sorry, and there's a massive patch here. But the way I comb the parting, it's fine. I think I exactly. can hang on to this for a bit longer. It's um, But it's yeah. kind of funny because when you did see it happen while we are in lockdown, you're like, um, when a comedian shaved your head, you're like, 
Yep, there goes another one. Starve for attention. <laughs> <laughs> or you think, a mate of mine shaved his head during lockdown. Comedian is a Canadian comic called John Hastings. Very good comedian. Yeah, I love very Hastings. funny. He's been on yep. the podcast actually. Yeah, so Hastings shaved his head during lockdown, and like you know, when he did it, I was like. I said it to a few friends, we all need to call Hastings and check he's okay. Because <laughs> yeah. with him, it was definitely, he was going through a big breakup. You know, things, obviously his life was in a position where he thought, I need to do oh, something yeah. drastic. When he was on the pod, he was talking about his uh, upcoming marriage, I believe. Yes, that's what I was about to yes. say. Now the uh, outgoing marriage, let's just say that. I'll keep, I'll keep the rest quiet for, oh, for okay. personal that's reasons. What, but That's what you want in COVID, a nice just say that, breakup. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, it was brutal. Yeah. And like, you know, it's not, it was it was very amicable between the two of them, but, but it's still um, tough. Hastings yeah. was very much isolated during lockdown, and yeah, he dealt with it very well, to be honest. But he, um, the shaving the head was the moment I thought, let's just keep tabs on him a bit closer than we normally would. Because yeah. it's so funny you say that because I knew because uh, I was planned on shaving my head uh, as soon as lockdown happened, but I had to give warnings to my family, my manager, <laughs> and my therapist, three people that I contacted saying somewhere in the next month. I actually said I'm not sure when. I've just got to figure out the camera angles because yeah. uh, I wanted to shave it for a clip for a for an Instagram video. So I said, but when it happens, trust me, it's like I've thought this well ahead of time. I know which song I want to play when do <laughs> everything. Like I've really played it out. But I'm like, it's a bit, so don't freak out. I'm okay. Mm. And then uh, 10 months later, I called the crisis line. So, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what also, the only step above that is like, okay, I'm a bit worried about my mate who's shaving the head. The only thing that tops that is people go, you know what? I'm actually going to put more thought into this and peroxide my hair. And then yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, dear God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I've got loads that? of those, like, sort of. <laughs> I, I, I've gone through periods where I've been a bit going through something. Yeah. And like, yeah. the drastic stuff I've done. Like, I've got tattoos on me that I got. In our in a in the haze of a breakup when I was just pissed. And which, stuff. Oh, which which ones? We've never, we've never talked tattoos on this. Um, well, these ones I've got inside my arms. There are um, they were after a break. They were after a to divorce. Because this is mainly going to go audio. So basically, video, this so. this one is uh, the chemical symbol for serotonin on the inside of my right oh, right. Bicep. The happiness one. Yeah, and the, this I one mean, on Ben's, my left. Ben's just smashed his <laughs> face into his hand. This was after a divorce. This was going through a divorce. A divorce. I was, okay. I, was yeah. I was drinking a lot and I was taking a lot of drugs and hence this one on my left arm is the chemical symbol for DMT <laughs> which is one of the saddest things I'll ever admit to and now you've got one for baby formula the yeah. actual formula for baby formula I've got uh, what have I got oh, this one up here actually on my shoulder is a little red uh, circle that has the letters NB which stands for naughty boys um, that what was that was a drunken that was also mid divorce and why and, red because uh, it continually looks infected I wanted <laughs> to look like a passport stamp ah. and then and did anyone any of the other naughty boys get it or was you just yeah yourself? one other naughty boy so that is a matching tattoo with the comedian kai humphreys and oh, uh, i love kai yeah. and kai's a lovely guy and we had this sort of weird bromance where we just got drunk together at the festival and then uh, at the end of it we got matching tattoos which festival Edinburgh this or? it was it was uh, like it was melbourne 20 14 i reckon yeah and and that final tattoo that was after uh the breakup after the relationship on your forearm you've got a big forearm i've got um i've got a verse from a uh a hymn a christian hymn just to clarify i'm not um, I was raised Irish Catholic, not religious at all, but I've got a verse from him on my picture. The, the good thing about that one, Carl, is you can't see that one. <laughs> <laughs> my whole forearm. Can I ask, uh, well, it's, this is going to be really difficult to say without sounding like I'm trying to be an asshole, but no, no, that's fine. it sounds like some of them you regret. I'm being as diplomatic like, as I can, or at mm. least you have a sense of like a new perspective on them. Oh, totally. I don't regret. I don't regret them at all. I'm you absolutely happy okay. as Larry that they're on me. But I, right. uh, I'm aware of the, why they happened, and okay. and they were okay. done in in. I wasn't in the right in the right frame of mind to make sound judgment. Okay, so so not- I know that they're ridiculous, and I, I wouldn't get them now probably, but. I'm but quite about, happy that they're there. So there was, you, a, there was a perspective shift on where you, how you feel about it at, uh, when you got it versus, say, now. I just totally. want to know how, the question I'm trying to get at is how quickly did that perspective kick in? A couple of years, probably, before couple I was years. like, oh, right, oh so I they see. they did the job for two years, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because now, because I, I, I've always wanted to get one, and for years, I even in my 20s, I was going to get a fern. I really like, you know, those ferns in a rainforest. Yeah, yeah. And I was always going to get one on the back of my neck, and I was ready to do this and ready to roll until someone goes, you do understand that if you get a fern on the back of the new, that is the symbol for being a New Zealander. I was like, oh, <laughs> close call, close call, close call. But now, that I have thought about this, and this is very dorky. I've seen a lot of people do this, and maybe, you know, being a dad and all, would you, would you get your child's name? Name tattooed on you? I, do you know what? I don't think I would, um, but that's because I'm not desperate. To, I don't think I'd get any more. I'm sort of I, they served yeah. their purpose. They were they were clearly. Yeah. I was going through something and wanted to sort of stamp it on me and go like, yeah. "Don't forget this." Yeah, because uh, like a now, child. Because a child, you know what I mean, is a bit more transient than wanting to be a naughty boy. Yeah, like you want to. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'm going to forget my daughter. Yeah. Personally, yeah. Yeah. I think, but there I think will she's... be there will be a period where she'll be a very naughty girl. That's <laughs> true, actually. Then I'll get her name tattooed Ingy. on my shoulder. Um, there, but I, I'm the only tattoo that I'm close to getting is a uh, Singhalese uh, character, the like a symbol or, or the letter for the A sound, not the A alphabet, but the A sound, because I remember as a child when the book flipped over i had to you know learn it and i remember crying when i saw it and how like much was ahead of me like there was so much complications as for that four three-year-old or four-year-old that's yeah. i remember crying and mom saying no no don't worry just let's go step by step you first do this bit then you do that and she broke down the system that made it possible so for me i've realized that I have had that feeling of crying in so many different things. Like when I was 125 kilos and I was like, I want to do a marathon. How the fuck do I get to that end game? It's like, no, no, just break it down systematically. And so for yeah. me, that symbol represents that idea of not getting overwhelmed by the task initially, just going, okay, it is a big task, but if you break it down into its simplest uh, formula, if it's simplest activities, then you'll get there. You just have to do the work. So for me, that's been a strong sort of thing that I've been thinking I need to get on me because I constantly get overwhelmed by what's ahead of me but for getting that as long as I put the, the, the fact that you got that, that good a um, sort of explanation, that much thought has gone into it, and that much yeah. like, pre-thought that I think justifies, you know, yeah. that I got after a joke drunk drink with Kai Humphreys the night before. <laughs> There was zero thought went into it. Ben, remember we had Ryan Gallagher, who was from uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and Maths. He he has a tattoo gun at home, and he got drunk, and his friend tattooed his cock. Like his actual knob that pulled the skin down on the knob. Oh, my God. Two eyes, so so it looks like a snake. I see. Have you ever seen somebody with a lip one when it's inside their lip? Yeah, Yeah, I've seen that. I I have a... uh, Mutual, a friend of mine, uh, she has Yeezy written in there. I mean, that is, that's going to age but, badly, isn't it? I do like the thought, though. Do, where would you get it? Where would you? <laughs> where would you get it done on your body? Have you I thought? I don't it? know. I don't know. I'm very. That's where. That's probably what's holding me back is not knowing where I want it because I feel like I want to have it where I can see it. Because what's the point of having a, a a thing that reminds you to 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 ground me back into process over getting overwhelmed? But if it's on my back, what's the fucking point? I need a whole other process just to see it. I yeah, need some yeah, steps. Yeah. So I don't know. Forearm seems like a good one. That's a place where I look a lot at. You know what I mean? But then does that mean that, I don't know, like it's going to be a pain in the ass to try and cover up if I need to? I don't know. So there's all, all kinds of issues. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I do like the – because I remember last time I was on a TV show and one of the actors had heaps of tattoos. And just the makeup artist was just like, God, I've got to cover these up. <laughs> like, and it's just like the exhaustion. Like, Here we go. Get the thing yeah, out. Yeah. And just like foundation, foundation, foundation. Just well, your like bicep ones seem like a good one because the sleeve comes over it. Well, and... I mean, to be honest, I, I, I'm, I'm very rarely do I wear just a short sleeve. I wear it out yeah. if I'm just going. But on stage, I never wear just a short sleeve. So no audience will ever see any of my tattoos. And that's not because I'm hiding yeah. them. It's just because... I've just got this weird rule that I have to wear a jacket on stage for, to gig, so uh, yeah. I so yeah, so they're not they're not there to be seen. They definitely are something that was there for me. That's personally. interesting to me about the jacket because I'm a big jacket guy myself. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, me, you're a fan of a bomber jacket. I've noticed bomber jacket. Lovely more bomber recently, jackets. in the past, it was blazers and suit yeah, jackets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, the origins of it was the uh, weight because when I was a bigger guy, oh, anything that I wore seemed to be shabby if it wasn't crisply ironed yes so i had to then go if i'm going to do t-shirt if i chuck a jacket on it looks like i made an effort 
So it does say me, make an effort. And if you are a bigger guy, like yeah. I've got, I'm sort of, um, I was definitely chunkier when I was new to comedy. Oh, okay. I remember in the early days wearing just a t-shirt. And if there's somebody, I saw a photo of it and mm. I could just see the sort of outline of my belly and stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah so get some layers on, mate. Layers suit the larger chap. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's <laughs> layers like. for larger. Yeah. So, but, I, yeah, but I also think that, I think there is something to be said for looking like you've put looking like you've put something on for stage rather than just walked yeah, on in what you were wearing. I, it I might quite be like carry that. over from my accounting years as well. And you know, I think Adam Richard corrected me ages ago because I I stood as he described it as the floor drobe. You know, the clothes on the floor you just whack it on and you just yeah, go on yeah, stage. Yeah. But yeah, so I've been very big on and been conscious about that. So you do, for you the jacket. Do you, where do you reckon that came from? Again, try not to look shabby. I think it did. I think it was just, um, yeah, I always like to look like I've put something on that is, I've put that on for the show rather than just, yeah, you put in effort. Just rolled in. Yeah. Because I always, because years I was the same thing, like I went through, you know, if I, you know, I'm trying to wear more shirts on stage, but, you know, even with two kids, if I could find any black t shirt without a white food stain on it, it was a winner. <laughs> um, but then what I interested, when I did like, a bit like Dill, is when I worked in local government, I was so sick of ironing my shirt that I just started wearing vests. So all I had to do was iron the sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then when it got to like 30 degrees, like take off the vest, I was like, no, I'm not taking it off. I can't oh, take it off. Wow. Anymore. I can't imagine you in a vest. Carl, this has gone organically there. You mentioned that you were chunkier at some point. What was your chunkiest and what did you do then, I guess, in terms of lifestyle changes? Um, in terms of, I was at my chunkies was in my teens. I was a really oh. big 12 year old. I was the sort of chubby kid. Did you get any teasing, bullying? Uh, yeah, a little bit. But then I, I very quickly learned to sort of stick onto a group that were doing the bullying, essentially, and be the right. fat one. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, think that's what, I think a lot of comics were that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, look, I'm happy just to, I'll feed them the lines as long as they're not being saying them at me. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll uh, write them, do some punch up. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that. And then um, it naturally, I naturally slimmed down when I was about 17. It just as I, as I grew, yeah, and then I probably, Drugs. yeah, I, I mean, it, I, partly, but also I genuinely think it was just you know fat teen syndrome. Yeah. Some, it was just some people are just chunky teens, and I had gynecomastia as well, so I had quite what's, big, what's that? Gynecomastia is a hormone imbalance that affects some boys, where you basically have a sort of like chunky, like almost it's basically clinical man boobs if you have to describe it. Yeah, wow. So I had like I had chunky. Like nipples, I was I was just a bit gross. I was just a chubby thing, and then uh, so when I was about seventeen, I naturally thinned down, um, which was great. But then when I got into my twenties, when I started stand up, I was a bit chunkier for a period, and then it was probably I don't know. I reckon like as I got to later twenties was when I just thought just to start winding my neck in. And when I went vegan, actually naturally again, I just I sort of shaved off some, and now I'm a little bit over what i should be but i'm quite happy because i'm not i'm not exercising hardly at all mm. so the fact that I, I maintain not getting much bigger means i'm i'm all right yeah yeah and i think that given the year we had that's probably a realistic and pretty yeah. fair and, and, a, and a reasonable goal for most people but when did you but turn, it's, but, so so it's just a bit like on top of that it's not only have you not been able to put the weight on the year that you had but you've also done that with a newborn which is also extremely hard i don't yeah do you know what i should be i i wait i don't like weighing myself i tend to do it on just how i look and i look in the mirror and go like, right you have packed it on a bit you need to just wind your neck in a bit but i um i weighed myself in i reckon it was like maybe a month ago 3 weeks ago and i was only about maybe two kilograms over yeah. my all right wow. I'm, where i'm sort of like i'm i'm happy with that so yeah. i'm actually two kilograms having had a baby and lockdowns i'm actually i think that's all right and i've not tried at all like my exercise regime went out the window the last year a couple what? of years ago i was in good i felt like i was in good shape what's your favorite when you were in good shape what did the exercise regime look like um i like weights uh -huh. and uh and sort of yoga i went through a phase actually last year i was doing very early last year in march like march april lockdown i was i was doing weights i've got quite a good garden weight set up in london uh -huh. um, i've got a squat bench i've got i've got all the weights like deadlift right. i've got a really nice setup and um and i was really getting into it and i was lifting heavier weights than i ever had before and then one day i just basically my sh i think i got some sort of 
tendonitis or tennis elbow. And part of yeah. me was like, I've got a baby coming. I can't risk injuring myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I stopped doing everything. And then I started doing the lockdown eating. I got a bit, you know, podgy. Yeah. But then later in the year, I started doing calisthenics. So I started just doing all body weight stuff. I got this, I've got this book called like the convict workout where it's all ah. body weight. It's all squats. It's all um just push-ups it's all different so no equipment required no equipment always oh, proper like prison workout and you feel just like a, a just lunatic. a small little room with a toilet in it that's all you need <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I did have a, i've got a pull-up bar at home and yeah. i felt like within and a couple of weeks, anus good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and you got the tats so you're in you're in <laughs> but yeah i felt like that feels really good because it feels like you're not putting too much, you're not putting any strain on your joints. You're, it's all natural movements, isn't it? So but yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I, I reckon it's a quite a common thing for uh, for dad. I was much the same as when I was expecting my child. I was uh, getting my therapy just to loosen up uh, my hamstrings and stuff. This was years ago, like seven years ago. And I remember there was just a twinge in my back. And then I was like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. I can't have a bad back once my baby's come along because if, if I can't pick her up, I'm, I'm stuffed. I'm just watching from the sideline cheering on my partner who hasn't had any sleep. So I kind of get why you would pull back because I think I did much the same. Did you find as well in the first year of having a baby, I, this must be the case, I reckon, even though I've not really done hardly any exercise, I feel quite strong just because you're constantly carrying a baby. Yeah. Like you're doing constantly doing something with one hand with a baby in your other hand and you're yeah. constantly bending down. And up. My, my, my back feels stronger than I think it's ever been. Like, I, it's I was at a one-year-old's birthday the other day, one of, to my, two of my best friends, a kid, and for whatever reason, amongst all his fucking immediate family, he just gravitated towards me, which initially was such an ego boost, right? I loved it. I'm like, oh, this kid loves diversity. This is awesome. <laughs> and um, and I was loving carrying him. But I cannot deny that five minutes in, I was done. Because it's like the, the muscle that was using to carry him isn't something that I flex that uh-huh. often. And I kept switching hands and it didn't matter because it was like not quite the bicep, but it was just some other area of the hand that I was just like, <laughs> what the hell, man? I yeah. felt it also, like such a sack of shit that I couldn't carry him for more than five <laughs> at a time. Well, it, but it also depends on what kind of child you have. So you either have one of those grippy on trials, like the, that grip on like a monkey, or like my kids, you've got the dead weight, which adds so many kilos to it <laughs> because then like you'd hold them and they're not holding on to anything. Like they can take off a kilo or five if they hold on to you, but both my kids would big babies both four kilos when they were born and just decided just stack it on the whole way through but when you hold them there's also the balancing thing where you yeah, have yeah, to yeah. balance while you're doing stuff if they grip on you can do more but if they're not i remember just the, the sorest arms sorry yeah. you just froze benny did you freeze for you as well carl yeah yeah just, just very briefly, uh, just oh, very briefly. Weird. sorry and you're out of sync a bit. Your mouth is moving. You're like a uh, old Chinese dubbed film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're back. All right, I'm um, back. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So that 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 strength. I think that's a really good awareness that when you thought you might get injured. So the body workouts then led, led to less injury. Is it? Yeah, but I only did them briefly. I literally probably I reckon uh, it would be like a, a six week period where I was like, I need to I need to sort of not just lie around eating and crisps and then just. How are you doing yoga? I was I, I loved yoga. I went through a big phase of yoga about three years ago, four years ago, and um, I actually think the best shape I've ever been in was doing. I mean, I did have a personal trainer for a bit because before my marriage, my um, before my second marriage, um, I uh, Ross from Friends. <laughs> I don't know for some reason when you say Carl. It sounds kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, now I've grown my tash and my hair's gone grey. I feel yeah. like sort of Richard Burton when I talk about like, well, yeah, my this second is like, wife. This is my second marriage. Anyway, well, we're cutting to a break. You, with your tone and use of language, there's nothing I wouldn't buy that you're selling. Like, you, <laughs> I do, you, you know I'm what I mean? That's why I'm keen to get into veganism at some point. But yeah, go on. Um, um, but yeah, I, so, so your second marriage. So before my second wedding, I um I went into like I got a personal trainer for two months. I was only I was only, only probably a few kilos overweight, but I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to really nail it. So I went on this two month, you know, I, I I was doing yoga in the mornings and I was going to visit a personal trainer like four times a week. And he's a guy that I've known for years. He used to be a stand up comic in the UK, so, and his name was Dave Dynamite, right? Brilliant. And. Uh, he he was massive when he used to do stand up. He was a really big, sort of drinking, sweaty guy. He's now just a little shredded, little strong man. Yeah. He's the best personal trainer. He 
in two months he got me in the best shape I've ever been in my life like he just had he got me into like he taught me how to do weights in a good like way where you don't you know I'm not trying to be bloody Eddie Strong whatever his name is that strong like you just got to know know your limitations know that you just want to get a bit toned up and be healthy and stronger than you are is is it nice to uh, have a a person a personal trainer who used to be fat like you're like you get it 100 percent. you know all the shortcomings and you know all the uh the change of habits that that, that, the the difficulty in applying yeah yeah yeah. and the fact they're now in really good shape i went to i went to a yoga class in birmingham in england about four years ago it was a hot yoga class and i hate hot yoga i think it's unacceptable i just don't it's pointless just do normal yoga right i don't like this sort of this like westerners adding loads of shit to make it harder just do the proper stuff but i uh i went to one and it was really hard but the instructor and i'm not having a go at him or fat shaming but he was a really chunky guy who wasn't doing the moves in front of us. He was just telling yeah. us what to do. And I was like, that's not, you're not allowed to just be a, a chunky bloke at the front telling me what to do, mate. I want to see you If he was chunky and still moving, then that's different. You then go, I, yeah, right, I've, you had, know, I've still... had that. Yeah. Or, no, had... or he's chunky and it's hot yoga and he's just sitting out in the front with a fan on him drinking a Slurpee. Yeah. <laughs> just tell him right now, do that. And I was I genuinely, <laughs> I'm struggling. I was like, the reason I'm struggling is because I've got no inspiration. You're just there telling me what to do and I don't Unless think you can do he's... it. He's trying to think of like if it's a carrot or a stick situation. He's like, I'm the stick. Try and go away from this. Don't be me. <laughs> if you don't nail that pose, this is where you might end up. <laughs> yeah. But it's because I, I had a similar years ago. I had to have a hip operation in my early 20s. And they said, look, you have to do yoga. And I was like, oh, look, I don't know. And I went around. I tried a couple of classes, but everything was so advanced. Yeah. yeah so yeah. they said, look, we've got the thing called gentle yoga. It's for people above the age of 60. So I went to like the first class and it's just old ladies, all these old ladies retired and then me. And he goes, uh, he goes, you know, I'll tell you the class as well. And I'll never forget this. It was like, they were all friends. They've been doing it for years and I just pop up. And I remember it was like the third class, someone, someone did a massive fart. So someone did yeah. a massive fart. And then the woman just laughed and went, that didn't come out of my bum. And I was like, I'm done. I'm absolutely wow. done. And I was like, I am not coming back to this no. class. From the front bum? I, yeah, I was just so, everyone just laughed. Wow. And I just went, I just shook my head and went, I'm done. Yeah, I, man. You know, That's enough for man. me. Yoga's not for me. I can't believe you're shaming fanny farts. How dare you? 2021, fanny farts are quite normal. Um, oh, they are, not when there's a whole bunch of ladies enjoying it. <laughs> Wow. So okay, I, I, uh, that the the yoga has. What do you reckon it was about yoga that you felt contributed to your peak performance or peak sort of feeling? It just, it's- I mean, it's you. It, I mean, there's, it just makes you so much more flexible, and you just it's a it's a great way to start the day, isn't it? I need to mm. I need to get back into it because it's you know what? it is essentially a mix of meditation and part exercise. It is. So yeah. It I'm just gets to- your head right. I'm trying to get to there, Carl, but I'm so far from it that I just, just literally just came where I'm still at the early stage where I have like a stretching class. So I have someone who does this stretching for me. So I'm outsourcing (laughs) it while someone just stretches it for me and goes, now breathe into it, breathe into it. And I like to think that if I can get through that for six months, then I can trans across to to an actual yoga class. That's why I go for deep tissue massages, just the stretching for you. But I was quick, on on a quick side note on yoga, the reason I really want to get back in into it um is because last summer in the uk i had a nose operation right um in that i was born with a deviated septum basically it sort of like means i could only I, my whole life i've only been able to breathe through one nostril this is the same i'm looking at the is, same surgery i really so i had it in the summer i had, I had septoplasty which or rhinoplasty i can't remember what it's called but um basically they broke they knocked me out broke my nose yeah back rhinoplasty and they if a bit you do it in the adelaide comedy room but septum- <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, so in so now for the first time in my life i can breathe through my nose so i can actually now for the first time ever do that proper yoga goes out through the mouth i'm so doing, so yoga, many doing yoga i've always loved the actual physical side of it but i can't do the breathing aspect ask away ben ask away so so um so i have it where i can breathe through uh, my left nostril fine and but the next one absolutely yeah, nothing that's what i had forever so so when they do and they break your nose can you just like 
is there something that you knew and then you just decided to do? But what made you? Because I've been told, like, oh, what's the point? You can breathe out of one nostril. But is it worth it? Has it made that much of a difference? Um, definitely. Like, I'll tell you what it is. I, again, same as you. I, I, I had it looked at when I was a kid. I was like 10, 11. And they said, yeah, you've just got a deviated septum. It means you can only breathe properly through one nostril. And they said, you can fix it, but you can't do it until you're fully grown. So you'll be like mid-20s, probably the first time you should get it done. And then I just thought, right, I'll log that. And by the time I was 25, I didn't give a shit. I was like, what do I need the other nostril for? Yeah. <laughs> Apart from periods. I'm quite naughty periods of my life. I was yeah, like, I could yeah, actually do with yeah. the second one. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, if you just do it through one, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it gets a bit tiring. Uh, but, you need like a, someone to blow it up your bum. Like, exactly. Uh, that's what <laughs> one, of, uh, one of Ben's uh, stretch experts. <laughs> but I, um, so yeah, so it wasn't, and it wasn't until, you know, late thirties, I suddenly was like, do you know what? Actually, I've I've got a clearing now where I I could do I'd I'd rather get it fixed before I get old. I don't want breathing problems when I'm old. My dad's got breathing problems from years of smoking and all that. Yeah. So maybe I've like I I can get it fixed. I got it looked at a couple of years ago and I was just on the waiting list to get the surgery and then out of the blue during bloody the pandemic I got a message saying we can fit you in in like August it was last year. So everything was off. I wasn't gigging or anything. So I was just like, this is the perfect timing. Because the recovery is pretty, like, it's a couple of weeks of quite rough yeah. recovery. Like, it's, it's not and it's crazy unpleasant. long. But the, t- the the first week after is one of the, you know, worst weeks I've had physically in my life. Yeah, because you've whole... been divorced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you, so you, you did this operation while you had a newborn? Yeah, that was, she was, um, I think she was about six or seven weeks old at the time. Oh, you would have been a lovely man in the house. Oh, man. I was like, them nights where she's you know, up constantly and I'm sitting there, bandages on my face, like something from a horror film. <laughs> at least oh, at least she won't remember it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. she can only see like, what, you know, half a meter in front of her. And she's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I won't remember daddy as, as, as a mummy. <laughs> <laughs> but the stuff, I'll tell you what, the first, it's, do you know what? I've actually probably, I don't want to scare you off. Them, first, what I said, when they look, them two weeks when you've got the bandages on, they're just really hard to sleep and stuff. You can't, you know, everything's yeah. blocked up and you've got a splint inside your nose and things like that. So it's just a bit uncomfortable. But the 24 hours after it is horrific because you're just bleeding from your face. Yeah. But it's fine because within two weeks, the bandages come off. They take the splints out. The pressure's released. And instantly you can feel the difference. Are you sl- are you sleeping better? Uh, I think I am, yeah. Like my wife even says, just the first time she noticed it was within a couple of months of the surgery, all the swelling's gone down. And she said, like, she remembers the first time she heard me just breathing really normally at night. And she said it was like nice and quiet and. Because they're saying that that's like, um, uh, like, like, so for instance, they won't be able to do, like, so classic example is like, I can't do normal breathing. So then the sleep apnea kicks in and it's yeah, just that yeah, thing yeah. where it's like, well, has it to do with having a bit of extra weight? But they reckon a great deal. Is it because you can't breathe out oh, of both there's, nostrils? You should read it. There's a book called Breathe written by a, a journalist called James Nestor, I think it is. He, he's he got the same thing. And he, he went on this journey of discovery where he interviewed all these experts on breathing and different techniques and stuff around the world. And basically he learned that most people in the modern era don't breathe right. That's part of the problem. So yeah. that's reason so many sleeping problems are like we, we sort of learn not to breathe properly, and like that, a lot of it comes from um, a lot of it causes mouth problems and yeah. It, so I've always had loads of bad teeth problems, and it's Same. all linked to your sinuses. So really? when I yeah, it's it's mad when you read into breathing and how wrong we do it on the whole. Yeah, I'm What's I'm re- the- I'm reading a book at the moment that quite often is if if you have like issues with your nose, then you breathe through your mouth the whole yeah. time. And the problem is the best thing about having noses it stops like dust and bacteria totally. coming through. Now when you breathe through your nose, man, you're getting gum infections. It's that that, that even the specialist saying it's one of the reasons why I've had so many throat infections. Yeah, yeah as well because yeah. he's like you know you you continually you, you go to is your mouth well your nose is the is meant to be the filter that you yeah. take air through it the reason there's hair in your nose because it catches all the bad shit if you're breathing just through your mouth which i, I was for years yeah just letting all the bad shit in there's no filter oh that's it i'm getting it done i'm getting ben, it done you've lost a bunch of teeth as well haven't you me yeah 
Yeah, oh, just way too many. Yeah, I mean, I've, that's I've a lost loads as well. I've lost and, and to the point where I'm looking at implants at the moment, and because I've left it too long, your boobs jo- are fine. What do you was- need implants? For? <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, thing, but it's that thing where it's like I, you know, like I've, I've left it too long. It's super expensive. My gum, my gum lines dropped already because yeah. you don't have teeth there, and the other ones hang down. So it's that thing where it's like you know, I need to decide. Like yeah, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. I'll do the nose first, then the teeth, or the I teeth reckon first. get the t- get the nose done first. It's so good once you get it out of the way. Honestly, oh, I so still do it. Like even things like I did a period. I, I hadn't run properly in years, and I did a period of running around sort of Christmas time, and it was in it was winter in the UK, and just that breathing through your nose thing is so different. This book talks about breathing in and out of your nose while running, and you should try and do this thing where you try and maintain slow breathing while running, rather than do that thing of thinking I need to pump oxygen into my body. Try this technique where you breathe a maximum of six times a minute. So in and out, you're doing every five in, five out. Yeah. And all through your nose, your mouth is not involved in this. And try and maintain your jogging pace. And it's it's hard, but now and again, you just nail it. And it feels amazing. It feels like you've just Mm. got your body functioning in this high capacity. Right. Yeah, wow, okay. Well, there it is. It's just called called Breathe. And I think it's James Nestor. He's got a really good website where he talks about... Breathe the life in floor, Ricks and Gracie. Breathe Uh, the simple... There's quite a a couple out there at the moment. Um, And they're all all titled Breathe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it might be called Breath. It might be called Breath, actually. Oh, okay. called Breathe. Hang on. No, Breathe. Um, James Nestor. Oh, there he is. Breath. The new science of a lost art—that's what it's called. And it's, an, it's yeah. a great book. It's really interesting. He does—he did a thing where he did a study because he could breathe through one nostril, but they blocked his nose up for ten days, like fully blocked it. He only could breathe through his mouth, and they did tests on his blood pressure and things like that throughout. And the difference between just only breathing through your mouth and, and having your nose involved to your actual—the yeah. functioning of your body—is massive. I was very proudly yeah. going to just hit by in what one click you know as kindle has the option and i thought oh there's an audible version which is i've got a uh, credit for the month yeah and about to hit and then i realized that's the german version oh, yeah. so i really got <laughs> wissen über die Kunst, die Atmen, which would have been quite a challenging uh listen that's to say the least because there's there's some great documentaries as well and like there's a breath on on you know like the seals and the scuba divers and how oh, they talk yeah, about yeah. how the whole one breath and and how to focus on it and that breath has more energy than you could possibly imagine and then i really like that and then of course you know the whole wim hof yeah, yeah. so wim, wim hof, hof is stuff's the, pretty the good whole stuff where it's just like because i because uh carl you don't know, do this as i have i have a lot of cold showers but i've got I my do kid- cold showers oh, yeah, great. I've, I've done so, cold showers every day for almost like about two and a quarter years yeah, oh, great. Wow, really? That's amazing. Mine, mine started it's September one last year, so you know, it's I'm new to it, relatively speaking. But I love glad it. I consistently done it. Every but do you day. do it? Because I, I, I've never, I don't do the just cold shower. I, I do the thing where I have a like a normal quick shower, and then as yeah, cold as it goes, and just end with two minutes of cold. And I've done. I that go every straight day. into cold because uh, I've talked about this on the pod before. Because for me, I like reminding myself that a bit of discomfort at the top, and then later on, it's going to be, okay. it's going to feel really good. So it's like almost sets me. You know, if I'm going to be going for a run today or whatever it is, it's just strange. reminding myself it's going to hurt at the start, but you're going to be fine. Yeah, I also I, think there's something to be said, especially in like a winter time. Um, you know, for doing something that is unpleasant by on purpose. Yeah. So that you're basically, it's almost controlling. Like, well, this is going to be the worst part of my day, but I've chosen yeah. to do it. And yeah. The rest of the day is a bit breezy, then, isn't it? That fear center in your brain, you say, get out of the way. Yeah. I'm yeah. Not to you today. Well, it's funny because I agree. I, my, that's where mine was. I've set up a shower outside, Carl, because oh, I've got yeah, a, yeah, you told I've, me. I've, I've, got, it, got, yeah. uh, I've got the sauna. And so, but now, even then, like before gigs or even in the morning, if I don't have a time for the sauna, I will go in. And it's kind of funny because I'm starting to look forward to it because I yeah. know – I know that the feeling afterwards is so, so good that I kind of get excited about the shock because I know what's coming on yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. 
But I feel like I've just had a win with my kids because we do the Wim Hof uh, sort of technique. So we, we okay. all get naked, all three of us, uh, and we go out in the backyard and then we throw our, slap our hands, throw around and get our deep breathing in. And then we all go under. And then we, and then the thing about it is the kids are like, Daddy, you got to do 20 seconds. you got to do 20 seconds. I was like, okay. So here we go. I'll do 20 seconds. And then they do 20 seconds. In the end, they run into a hot bath and then I keep yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. But I just like that there. And, and then my daughter only recently just did it out of her own accord. She's like, oh, I'd like, I'd like wow. to have an outdoor shower. I was like, okay. She put her own, she put her own, like you know, shower cam on. Went out there, had a cold shower, washed herself. I would love, I would love, Carl, if your daughter's first two syllable word is Wim Hof. Yeah, <laughs> but in a Dutch accent, Wim Hof. <laughs> so, um, hey, can we talk about the veganism? Yeah, because um, I'm fascinated. How long have you been vegan for? Uh, eight years. Eight and years. what was the thinking? I'm very curious to how to um, where the change happened. Was it a slow one? Was it something you go no. I'll dabble into? What I was the turning point? I think there was a there was an awareness of like I always I do you know what I, I cook a lot. I've always been like I really love cooking, and I always felt like I was aware of the problems with meat and thing dairy. So like my cooking, I would always. Like whenever I cooked meat, I'd always go for. I, I loved the off cuts. Like I loved offal, and I loved I loved cooking with stuff that a lot of people ignore because I was like, well, if an animal's died for it, I'm gonna make sure it's all eaten. So I'd right. you know, I'd love cooking livers and hearts and kidneys and stuff like that, which sounds mm. insane, but I just thought, you know what, I'm gonna do my bit to make sure they're not going to waste. So right. I was doing that for years, and then it wasn't until probably I got into my just round thirty that I was like, if you're doing that, that shows you're yeah. aware that there might be an issue. And then, so it was in the back of my mind. And then this is such a hippie thing to say. Respect. When I, when I, when I went through uh, my the marriage, first marriage broke up. I went into this weird like hippie period of self discovery where I, I got yeah. into meditation and I went off and I travelled around fucking India like a you know like a cliche. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, like Julia Roberts. Like I did, ev- I did everything you can imagine that you sort of you like when you hear people say like, "Oh fucking yeah, of course you did, mate." Like you know, I did. Yeah, yeah. I went off and uh, drank ayahuasca tea and like smoked DMT. Smoked DMT. See, I did all of that, and basically, it was during that time I just had this. I remember having it, and I'm not endorsing an epiphany. This, I, think I, had a, I had an epiphany uh, after a DMT trip. Brilliant. Where there I just go. smoked it, and I basically what like came to. And I was like, I know what I need to do. And I basically just gave up meat and dairy on the spot. And that was it. haven't touched it since? Sorry, Ben? And you haven't touched it since? No. I've had a couple of acts. Accidentally. uh, I'll tell you what, this is something I didn't know. If you don't have dairy An accidental heart, no kidney. (laughs) I accidentally sacrificed a goat once. Um, I... uh, I've basically developed a dairy intolerance. And the reason I know that is because I didn't have dairy for about three years after I gave it up. And then I bought a coffee in a in a place. And I, I'd go to now and again pre-gigs. And I went, can I get a soy latte? And I was drinking it and it tasted like shit. And I was like, oh, they must have changed their soy milk. Obviously, they'd put actual milk in it. They'd not heard me. Uh... And I, I shit everywhere. And I was vomiting. So I've obviously oh, developed wow. an intolerance having not How had it for years. How was the gigs? <laughs> I mean, oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. It was actually all right. It was at the Comedy Store in London. I vom- I, I timed my vomit because I, I felt sick. Like I was getting sick for about half an hour before and yeah. I was waiting to go on stage. And just when I could see the um, compare was about to sort of build up to bring me on, I ran into the toilet, vomited, and then just no. went on, I went on stage in that sort of amazing thing after you vomit where you feel incredible. And then by the time I came off, I was ready to go back to the toilet. That That's amazing. The dairy intolerance resonates with me because I, uh, after I read Four Hour Body by Tim Ferriss back in 2014, I think it was where he said, you know, take out dairy, stick to black coffee. And I started doing that. And I exclusively stuck to black coffee now and I don't drink milk coffee anymore. Uh, But when I do now, I feel my guts getting a bit uh, unsettled or if I have ice cream on a cheat day or whatever, like I've always ignored the rumblings of the day after a cheat day because I assume it's all the horrendous stuff I put in. (laughs) But I've realized that that the dairy was a big component of it because I love ice cream and gelato. But uh, something else you said there with the DMT. Now, I just want to confirm DMT is the one that is kind of like a quicker trip, isn't it? Isn't it like maximum 15 minutes? Yeah. I mean, the ones I've done. I wouldn't know. I did it a few (laughs) times. I basically, I think I've done it six times in total over the years it's and i haven't done it for long. about four years now but like it's yeah the max the, le- the longest i've ever had was about 11 minutes and oh wow 
But you are fly. I mean, that the the one where I ended up vegan um, felt like it lasted forty years. Like not yeah. even joke. If I came wow. back, I thought like I genuinely was like looking around the room, like how long have I been gone? And then looked at my watch and it was 11 minutes and I was like Jesus that's Christ. incredible but you go to a place where you know and I love, I've always wanted to like you watch all the documentaries but you just hear people come back so it's, it's sometimes it's even like five minutes and they're like I've just gone for 50 years I met my great great grandfather and he told me everything it's like it's, it's amazing it like that it's you feel like you go somewhere that you're not meant to go yeah and you and you sort of just some people have much more vivid memories of it. I just remember the first time I was just somewhere else for ages and I knew I wasn't meant to be there. And uh, then when I came back, I just felt like something had shifted in me and I was... I reckon that was me when I did the Exford after party on Saturday <laughs> night. Like I, There was all these drunk people and Hung Lee introduced me and I got on the stage and I was like, I'm not meant to be here. And then when I finished, I was a different person. The, so... Did you did you say you also tried uh, uh, ayahuasca? Yeah, yeah, I've done ayahuasca. And did you do the whole where you did the whole purging and the whole? Yeah, I I didn't do the like, some people go off and do it for a week. I actually did it for one. I just did one night of ayahuasca. Yeah, one night. But we did it with a shaman and all that. And yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It I it was uh, that was brutal. Like DMT, where? you're in and out, and you're in you, and out. you know, and you're, you're not throwing of, up. No, like, ayahuasca is one of it's the hardest horrific. nights of your life. Like, where were you? We actually did it in just on the outskirts of London. There are there are little sort of places, and you can find places to do it. You know, in you don't have to go to Peru and trek through but, the. But is <laughs> the, it the is it legal? Do they do it under the thing where it becomes a religion, or it's no, very illegal? It was yeah. very much illegal because in America um, they get around get around it with the fact that it's a religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, so it's just because you're in a wooden shed, with in a, a wooden who's shed, got a certificate, and the guy's <laughs> wearing white robes. So calmly, no, no, it was very much it was very, illegal. It's very, <laughs> very, very. So how many of you? There was uh, there was four of us. There was four of us around a big campfire, and it was. Uh, yeah, we waited for the sun to go down, and we, it was really nice. The build-up, we were all having like you know herbal teas and just talking about what we we're expecting, and yeah. then it was, and then the moment the sun went down, the shaman was like, "Right, we're ready to go." So four four people who were new to it, or people who had tried it before. Uh, one of them had tried it before. He actually right. did it like semi-regular. He'd do it like once every six months as a little. Oh, okay. Fuck thing. me, dude. Okay, so that's because there's a lot of trust involved in that situation. Yeah, right? you need someone looking after you. But the shaman guy was incredible. Like he, um, I was really cynical when I first got there because he was just a guy from like East London and he was younger than me. And so part of me was like, who's this fucking hipster who wants, thinks he's a shaman? Yeah. But then like, you know, he'd been going back and forth to wherever it was, Bolivia or Ecuador or somewhere and training with shaman over there like for years. So he, he had a real sense of like, you, within five minutes of chatting to him, I was like, all right, I trust this guy knows what he's talking about. Okay. And then when we started... It was like, right, we're ready to go. Who's ready to drink first? And he basically, you, you just go and sit in front of him and he pours you your cup. He gets a weird little wooden cup and you down it. And then you go and sit back at your chosen seat where you've picked Do you that like position. take a bit of lime, like lick some salt first? <laughs> <laughs> and then a pint of lager as well, Chip. Um, but it's, uh, and then you just sit and you wait. And the, sort of the four of us just drank. And I was there with a good, a good friend of mine was doing it as well with me, and he he was really nervous, so he only drank half the amount. Oh, I, I was desperate for the full. I was yeah. like, "Give me the full amount." I downed it because if you're there, you might as well. Well, that's what I thought. But he was like, you know, it, is, it was scary. But then 45 minutes later, when you start feeling it, everyone started feeling it and was getting a bit like, Whoa. and then the shaman went, "Right, is everyone feeling it?" We're like, "Yeah." He went, "Right, it's ready to drink again." Now it's yeah. time for your second glass. And that was oh when you're God. like, oh, we're about to enter the shit, man. And I got he's another... like M- Milan. This is how Milan operates. <laughs> <in an afterthought. laughs> that fucking guy, he's at every festival in the world. And it, I don't even know him, but I've managed to end up drunk because of him. The unhealthy, the unhealthiest sh- sh- the guru Shaman, going around. Yeah. <laughs> so, so wait, so you had a second dose of it. Second yeah. dose. Full amount of strength? Full amount. And basically that is when it just goes off. Like I remember... I was. I remember I was woozy when I went to get my second glass, and I drank it, and I went back to my blanketed area, and the moment I lay down, I just went boom into this boom. sort of into this, basically I'd say about an eight-hour sort of psychotic episode where you're v- having visions and you're vomiting and you're crying and you're shaking yeah. in the fetal you're position. Sc- Do you were you doing screaming like the this? 
There was no screaming, actually. There was one guy who just basically danced the whole night. And that was just, <laughs> I saw it, all it did to him was make him just, he was just on over in his area, just like, Peter Garrett stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. mad. Like, he did, it was amazing that like, how different everyone's experience was. One guy just zenned out. Like, he was almost, honestly just sitting there, like, in like the lotus position for about six hours. And every couple, every like hour, he'd, wait, he'd sort of open his eyes and just throw up in a bucket and then go back into it. And yeah, I, like, everyone wow. vomiting? Um, it's hard everyone, not to. I don't think the dancing guy vomited at all. He just went on one. I don't no, know. What he just happened. spewed up. I didn't give go. <laughs> <laughs> but my mate, um, he vomited a little bit because he only drank half. He was very conscious the whole time. He sort of didn't have anything too crazy happening. Whereas I went into the full. I'd, I'd have yeah. a big vision. I'd cry. I'd vomit. I'd be shaking. The shame would be over me, wafting stuff and rubbing my back and like. And then I would just sort of get it all out of me. And then I'd would go Would you uh, have the in. awareness to spew in the bucket or is it just all over the shop? A little bit. Yeah, he sort of would normally see when you're about to and he'd come over and just check you're in the right position and the bucket's okay. under your okay. Okay. mouth. Okay. But I um Because it, it takes a lot of pressure because the thing is that a lot of people can then, uh, in those situations, um, uh, what is it? They go into uh, a... Um... Trance? No, they can have fits. They can have really fits and swallow their tongue, which is the really, which is the really scary bit. Yeah, and so, yeah. so that's Ooh. why you actually have to have someone there treating you to make sure that you're okay. Because otherwise, yeah, yeah. before you know it, you're, you're calling the hospital and then going. So, what was going on here? Not nah, just Monopoly. We were just <laughs> playing Monopoly. <laughs> um, he's allergic to 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 almonds. Uh, the um, the thing that someone I heard describe about psychedelics and the experience of psychedelics trying to explain it to someone who hasn't tried it, it's almost impossible. It's yeah. trying to explain a sensation yeah. that is not quite comprehensible in the way you lived life before it. It's like trying to explain what an orgasm is to someone who hasn't ever orgasmed. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, it feels good. It's kind of like a sneeze, <laughs> but not quite a sneeze. Like, you know what I mean? It's just impossible to actually explain yeah, yeah. So I'm obviously wary of that. So I don't want to ask, like, what did you feel like or whatever? But it sounds somewhat horrific the way you described at least the trip you had right with the 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 deep psychological kind of experience um but what but you said you've done it since right uh no i was did twice once was much a lesser experience the second one was where it went but when i say it was horrendous i mean it's meant to be that's part of the yeah so what it is what is it about that oh yeah the vision basically the visions tend to be stuff that you want to purge that's what they say that you you're basically the purging is meant to be you purging things from your psyche that you yeah. might be putting off and you know I, that sounds like horse shit and you know i don't but it's, it's but easy until to, you're doing it that you yeah. then feel that we definitely like, i had visions about my parents and my childhood that i just wouldn't have even you know i think if at a push a, a, a therapist might have got out of me but I was probably just, I'd buried it pretty deep and gone like, let's just leave that until I'm dead. You know, let's never un- yeah. uncover that. And actually it made me just really face up to it. And I, I felt I felt incredible. Like the morning after is one of the best I've ever felt in my life. Like in terms of, I felt almost euphoric. And then you, I had took that forward to thinking, oh, actually, all you should, yeah, it made well, me just go, do you know what, stop worrying about all that dumb shit from your childhood. Well, a, lot of, a lot of people say it is a lot like, you know, you just have a year of therapy in eight totally. hours. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because it just, it just, all this stuff comes out. You have to, you can't not hold on to it. it, it it's just all out there. And you're just yeah. like, well, whatever sticks the most is in the end going, you, you're dealing with stuff that you don't even want to deal with. That's why quite often, especially when you go the hardcore one like that, where it's just like, it's quite often it's people who try who've given up yeah, they're just yeah. like i just need i need to find another way because um, the the other one that i always think is that you know that people a lot of, a lot of people still dabble with mushrooms which is yeah, a lower yeah. form of psychedelics but if you take enough of it you can get that you can get that kind of eye opening you know third eye yeah. bill hicks kind of thing where you're just like oh what is this world but oh. the the trick i don't know if you about this i always say if you are going to do it because you know of course we never encourage anything like it but doing it with people is oh, paramount. And also do it somewhere where you, you're secluded from, yep. you know, the last thing I've done it, I, I, I'm, you know, I dabbled with psychedelics <laughs> from basically uh, 20, early 20s. Yeah, first time I actually tried them was in my mid-teens, but like properly doing it to see what we could get out of it was like yeah. in my 20s right through to like early 30s. And I, don't, I haven't done them for years now because I don't think I need to. I feel like I've got that out of my system. But, yeah. you know, I, I had some amazing times on 
mushrooms and acid and things like that where we took loads and we basically just got into a, a sort of state of hysteria laughing for eight hours and it's, it, that it's is actually best. very um you know you wake up the next day and you feel like you've just got loads out of it because you just laughed and you realize how ridiculous everything is well yeah. it's funny. Uh, there's it, a uh, thing with tim ferris again who came up before but he did he's, he's big on psychedelics specifically because or at least controlled ones because he had an experience where he realized he had been suppressing a trauma where he had been abused from the age of two to four or something wow and it completely buried it it didn't it didn't pop out until he was like 38 Jesus. and and from then onwards he's been investing a lot of his money into trying to um De- not no, not decriminalized, but what's the word? Have some sort of control thing of yeah, 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 psychedelics yeah. Uh, into more mainstream medicine and more mainstream sort of therapy. Because the whole big thing, yeah, is with the microdosing, which everyone yeah, is doing, word, especially, yeah. especially with psychedelics. But it's kind of funny because I always think about, I dabbled with it in my early 20s, but my friends, you know, we're all 40. We've all had kids, but everyone can just remember the one party, that one yeah, particular yeah, yeah. party where to get in, you had two mouth, two teaspoons <laughs> of mushrooms. It was the only way you could get in. Lovely. So by the time there were 50 people on there, all on the same vibe. Yeah, and people yeah, yeah. still talk about that party where someone got all the green, bags, uh, those recyclable bags, and put them over every light globe. So then the whole house went green. <laughs> or the or, or the, the, the one stage, everyone was dancing in the laundry, this massive laundry, and the decks were going. And then someone goes, everyone's just down, go, how good is this party? And then someone goes, they're not plugged in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you just like, because you're all on that wavelength. And it's just yeah. like, how you get to that wavelength, I always find so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Whatever's happening, your mind's happening, that you can then share it with other people. Yeah. I think it's important here that, you know, because we're coming to the end, I need to clarify. So anyone listening, please bear in mind, these are just sharing our experiences. Exactly. Yeah. Things. Don't adopt it just because you hear it here, specifically veganism I'm talking about. Like, just make sure <laughs> you do your own research and you do it. In Absolutely. Very... Also, no. I would stay, I would stress as well as somebody who did it loads, um, you know, I I don't recommend it. To, I, just, I I've no. had people say to me, do you recommend DMT? And I've always said, not all, not you only do it if you're desperate to do it. Don't. It's not something. I don't think they're things you dabble in. I think you're they're things that you've got. To, if you're looking for something and you end up there, go for it. Fill your boots, but don't. I you know they're not something to be messed around with. It's not having a bloody joint or something. You know, what I mean, it's it's a it's a much bigger commitment yeah, of your t- totally. time. And you you know you can have. I've, I know people that have had bad trips. And it's and it, taken a bit of time to get over and everything. And also because you're taking a risk on your mental health as yeah, well. Totally. Because if you, you know, if you've got mental health issues throughout your family, sometimes that can be the triggering for, yeah, for, for problems further down the track. So it's, uh, mm. yeah, I, I'd be the same. I'd be like, mm, don't try it. Well, you know what? I think that's more or less a nice spot to try and circle this back. We didn't really dive into your veganism, but it's been eight years in general and you felt like you've been uh, healthier and you are yeah. uh, moving better. It's something that you definitely feel like you will stick with. Right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah. I do think, you know, I do it for ethical reasons, but the health things like, you know, I, I used to get quite a lot of recurring uh, stomach problems, like ulcers and things like that. And I always thought it was because I used to like, you know, I like a beer. I still do like a beer. But um, when I gave up dairy, they cleared up almost instantaneously. So it turns out I think I was just dairy intolerant. So I think it cleared up some health things for me that I didn't expect to. They were a happy accident, considering I was doing it purely for ethical reasons. Will you become a dairy fam, uh, a vegan family? Well, this is my wife's vegan, and we we met before we were both. First time we met, we were both non-vegans, and then. We we just you know we just crossed paths a few times over the next year or two. By the time we actually ended up getting together, um, we'd both independently gone vegan. So that was like a weird coincidence. So yeah. I think in terms of our daughter, you know, I think yeah, it's just by nature of the fact that she we're doing we're feeding her what we eat. I think yep. she probably will be for the time being. But also, if she gets to you know if she's four years old and goes to a friend's bloody birthday party and eats a fucking sausage off the buffet, I'm not going to be screaming at her, you know what I mean? I, I get yeah. that she has to, she's also her own person and gets to mm. make her own decisions, so I'm not going to be like some militant vegan dad. I remember your wedding, I don't know why this sticks in my head, but there was it was, there was a specifying about a vegan cake. I can't remember why, whether it was a Facebook post or the Instagram or whatever, 
that he yeah. was, there, there was a note about the vegan cake being a huge success. Oh, I made it. I, I baked <laughs> ah, my own okay. wedding cake. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was, uh, and we had vegan ice creams, which were made for us by a Melbourne company that were very good. Amazing. Awesome. awesome. All right, Carl, thank you so much for your time, brother. No what, uh, you're at the Melbourne Comedy Festival uh, with us right now. Yeah. Uh, what are the, uh, what, where can people find you? Um, I'm just on social media at Carl Donnelly, um, Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah. I tried TikTok, but I think I'm going to leave that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. It's just young people <laughs> dancing. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to be true. on there. Yeah. Um, and uh, your show, uh, your live shows at the moment. This is coming uh, out tomorrow, uh, the second of April. Oh, cool. I'm basically, I'm doing. I'm only doing a short run. I'm doing until Sunday the third. So there's only one more day after that. But then I'm doing an extra show on the ninth uh, at Mantra. And then I'm doing like Sydney Comedy Festival uh, in April. So yeah, so I mean, and I'm gonna stay around probably. We're gonna be here probably till like June, July. So Enjoy. I'll be knocking around doing some shows and bits and bobs. <laughs> Excellent. I have already started my run last week, Benny, and I'm going through to the 18th of April, and then from there the show is Victoria's Line, which I'll they'll be doing at Sydney Comedy Festival on the 24th of April. Two shows, one at five. 20, I believe, and one at 7.30. I don't know. It's a strange thing. But yeah, double shows, an early show and a late show. Uh, as well as Brisbane, uh, I just locked in my title for the Brisbane Comedy Festival. It is Back in Brisness. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just calm the applause, everyone at home. Like, pull over before you start laughing and, like, you're losing your mind. Okay, but... Uh, yeah, uh, but all my details at Dilruk J on Instagram. That's probably the best way to find it. And also my other podcast with Ed Cavalier, Matt Stacks. Um, amazing. And of course, uh, I'm yet to start. But Karma, when this episode comes out Tuesday, Josh Earl and I will be starting our show apparently. So uh, grab tickets. Uh, the weekends are full, but we'd love to see you on uh, on the Wednesdays and Thursdays. So grab a ticket. Uh, even the preview show on Thursday, uh, shoot us a text uh, if you uh, want to come or a message or DM us. But we'd love to see you there on opening night. And for Fibedians, if you want to have a laugh, uh, Josh and I will be on the project t- tonight when you Woo! hear this. So, so yeah, just come check us out. Have a little laugh. Uh, I'll be clearly talking about my children. Thank you, everybody. And subscribe to Patreon. We put chucked a new episode out the other day, which was great fun. All right, folks. Uh, oh, and also I gave a Patreon, sorry, I've got a terrible cough that just comes up. I was trying to mute my mic every time it happened. But yeah. um, um but I gave a special uh, discount code at the on the Patreon episode, so there's an extra incentive if you want to see my live show for cheaper. Jump on the Patreon yeah. and find out how Jump you can get cheaper. All right, that's it from us. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Carl Donnelly. That Cheers. was incredible. Thanks, mate. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Ah!